I was bullied. I wanted to end my life. I lost my job. I was scared. I had a miscarriage. I was so depressed. My husband had an affair. I felt so betrayed. I was abused as a child. I felt worthless. But then? But then? But then? But then? But then? Jesus. There's a part of fear that can save you, prevent you from making some really painful decisions. But in this series, we are dealing with the part of fear that wants to own you. It wants to drain you. It, it, it wants to steal your joy. And so we're not pretending. We're saying Fear is real. It is a real battle for all of us, but this series is about forcing our fear to face our God, because we know which one's bigger. Forcing our fear to face our God. I'm glad you're here today. Feeling good? Feeling good? Extra hour of sleep? Right? Everybody's good? These days are great till we get to Adrian tonight, and it feels like midnight when we start. It's just weird how one little hour can, can affect your, your, your whole mindset. I want to start with some questions this morning. Anybody know uh, the first recorded question in the Bible? First recorded question in the Bible? Anybody know? It's really short. Where are you. That's the first question. Anybody know who asked the question? God asked the question. Anybody know why God asked the question? Yeah, some people, some people were hiding because of a crisis. Now, I, I feel for certain that most of you at least have some familiarity with the story connected to that question. Even if you have never been to church before in your life, nobody's ever kind of given you anything of the Bible, you probably have heard some portion of this story where Adam and Eve are created by God, placed in this beautiful garden, and yet God gave some instruction not to eat from a tree. The enemy said, hey, you should eat from that tree. And the next thing you know, Eve does, and she gives it to Adam. Eve. Ugh. I mean, you realize we would still be in the garden if it were not for Eve. Women. Ugh. <laughs> or maybe we should read the story. Check it out. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. But the Lord God called to the man, interesting, where are you? Now, I personally find this interesting that God didn't say, hey, 
Where, where are y'all? Because God's Southern, in case you didn't know that. Where, where are y'all? Actually, the proper Southern, God would say, where are y'all at? That's what he would say. He didn't say where y'all at. He said to the man, where are you? So maybe, maybe we should take a, a little closer look at this. I, I, how this all starts, when you open your Bible, God is showing off. That's what he's doing. Now, when God shows off, it's not a bad thing. When you and I show off, it, it, it's not so good. But when God shows off, what's he showing off? He's showing off his greatness. What else is he going to do? God's all about his greatness. That's okay. This is, this is who he is. And when you open the pages of your Bible, God is showing off like this. Light. And he says light, and what happens? Yeah, light. It happens. He speaks it, and it happens. And he's like, that's how I do it. How you do it? Like, we, we don't do that kind of stuff, right? We don't speak and stuff come into existence. God's like, I do. This, this is how it works for me. Well, we're also told that God creates man and woman. But interestingly enough, you read those first chapters, it's not simultaneous, is it? He does not create them both at the same time. Now, one of these days, we'll get the whole story, like, God, why did you do it exactly like this? But I, I think there's a part of it where you know, if God created Adam, and then he turned to Adam, and he said, this is what I'm about to do, I'm about to create her, Adam would be like, bring her on, come on, do it right now, right? Go ahead, God. And it's as though God, though, in the verses that follow, says, Adam, you're not ready. You're not ready because there seems to be some things that God does in Adam. God gave Adam a role. I'm not talking dinner role. I'm talking a role to play in his life, a role to serve in a part of God's story. God gave Adam a role. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. Now watch the next words. To, can you say it? Can you say the W word? Work it and take care of it. To work it and take care of it. Some of you have grown up always hearing that work is a four-letter word. It's, it's, not, it's not good. But what we read from Scripture is that from the beginning, no, that this is a part of God's design. Now, it's not exactly the same today as it was when Adam is first told to work, and we'll, we'll talk about that in this story. But God says, Adam, I got a role for you. I, I want you to care for this. This is what I have spoken into existence. I, I want you to manage it. I want you to steward it. That's a, that's a church word that we use. It means we're taking care of what belongs to somebody else. Adam, I want you to care for it. I want you to manage it. I want you to work this. Verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man. Commanded, not suggested, not I'd like to give you a little bit of good advice. He commanded the man. 
you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God gives Adam a role, and that role is not only his, his work, but Adam is also given God's word. He's given this clear instruction, commandment from God, Adam, I want you to manage all this, but let's not forget I'm the owner. I own this, you manage it. I created it, I spoke it into existence, you take care of it. And there are some commands, there are some instructions, there is my word that I'm giving to you. I want you to trust me, I want you to follow me, I want you to listen to me, Adam. He gives him his word. And then God gives this role to Adam where he begins to have Adam follow in God's ways. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them and check out this line, whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Now what just changed here? Here's what just changed. Up until now, God speaks something into existence and he names it. And it's good, right? Light. And it was, and he called it day. That's the way it's described. But all of a sudden in this moment, God creates, but who names? Who names? Where are you? Who names? Adam names. Yeah. God creates now and then Adam does the naming. What's he doing? He's inviting Adam to join him in what God is doing. He's given Adam some ownership. He's giving Adam some power and some responsibility that are associated with his words. He's like, Adam, you name them. Like, awesome. How about horse? God's like, good job, Adam. Horse, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's like, whoa, look at the neck on that thing. Giraffe. Yeah, that's exactly, good name. Giraffe, right? Cheetah, right? And Adam's naming them. And, he, and he's, just, he's just rolling through them. He's like, God, how cool is this? We'll call it dog. Yeah. Like, God, do we have to have this one? All right, we'll call it cat. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to keep you awake. I'm not, I'm not trying to offend all the cat people. It could have happened that way. Or I just made it up. I just made it up. The point is, God gives Adam a role. He gives him work. He gives him his word. He gives him his ways. Now, verse 20, chapter 2, verse 20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Come on, that would take a while, right? 
It's going to take a while. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Verse 22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That, that word now in the Hebrew language, also we would use the word finally. Adam's like, finally, finally. Right? He's been naming all the animals, been naming the animals that walk on the ground, and the birds and the whole deal. And he's like, finally, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. He names. She shall be called woman. He names. Now, you know they didn't speak English. All right? They didn't speak English. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. It was like, what, Hebrew? I don't, I don't know. We'll find out one of these days. But, I mean, you've heard, you've heard the deal like how the name came about. I mean, right? God creates Eve, presents her to Adam, and he's like, whoa, man! Let's just go with that, all right? Because that's about as good as I got. We'll just go with that. Verse 24. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I'm waiting for an amen. Yeah. The honeymoon is on. And I'm thinking, if there's no sin, there's no selfishness, there's no manipulation, this honeymoon could go on for a while. You know what I'm saying? No game being played about selfishness or all that stuff. This honeymoon... This could go on for a while, except chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say. Now those little words tell us she knew. She had heard it. Was that as Adam was, was given a responsibility to pass that along? Was this directly from God? Whatever we know, she, she knew. She, she knows what God has said. You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Check it out. Who was with her? Ruh-roh. He was with her, and he ate it. 
Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Fig leaves. A human size solution to a God size problem. We try the same. And I, I, watch, I watch us try to do the same all the time. We try to fig leaf our way out of a broken covenant with God. Like what, what can we put together to, to, to solve this issue of our shame? What can we, what can we, what can we sew together to, 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 to make this, this guilt better and our solution never works? I want to, I want you to consider, I get the fact that Eve was deceived by the serpent. No, no denying that. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. But I want to just lay on the table that of equal significance in this whole account that God gives us, an equally sizable problem is that Adam, in the middle of all this, seems to forget who he is. Adam, in the middle of all this, seems to abandon his role. What's his role? I mean, he, he is to care for all this. He is to, he is to manage all this. He is to, to protect all this. He, this. This is his role. And so he's given even the, the gift of, of, of the, the woman, and he's supposed to care and protect and, and fight for her. And what we know so far is Adam's had no problem speaking. God's given him, right, his, his role, and he knows what he's supposed to do, and he's named all the animals. But all of a sudden, we get to this moment, and in the garden, the serpent tempts, and Adam says What? We got nothing on record. We got nothing. He doesn't seem to say anything to the serpent. He doesn't say anything to his wife. He says nothing. He knew what God had said about this whole deal. He knew his God-given role. And yet he is silent. Which brings us back to the place where we started, the question we started with, this is the context, chapter three, verse eight. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? I find it interesting they're hiding. If you were here last week, you will really understand the significance of that. Anybody picking up on the pattern here that it seems like when fear owns you, hiding always seems to be where you end up. Hiding. What's Adam gonna do now? What's he gonna say? Adam, where are you. Verse 10. He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. 
And, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman. It was the woman. The, get this, the woman you put here. You got to love that. God, this is, this is the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It was the woman. God, you know, you, you created her. You, you put her here. She ate from the, tru- from the, from the, from the tree and, and she, she threw it at me and it hit me in the mouth and I, and I, and I had to eat some. I ch- God, it was the woman. Ugh. Women. God, remember, remember when it was just me and you? Do you remember when it was just me and you? Horse, giraffe, woo, that was such a good time. But now the woman. I mean, you can't get any clearer that Adam ascribes blame on his wife. And I mean, he even dabbles in blaming who? God. It's like the woman you put here. No signs of, I'm sorry. No signs of what we call repentance, which means a a turning back. Out of this, consequences fall. There will be consequences for the enemy, which we will talk about that here in a minute. There will be consequences for the woman, like pain, the scripture says, in childbirth. That stinks, right? I mean, it's like we didn't even make it through one birth without this happening. Consequences for the man. Work from from this point on will be what? Stressful. It will be hard. Right? Which gives you the picture that it it was somehow different in the beginning when when Adam was told to work. Now there's going to be stress associated with it. Isn't it funny? We spend our whole lives trying to make work not what God said work's going to be for the rest of our lives. It is, this is going to be a part of it. And then he says, oh, and for both of you, your days are now numbered. Your days are now numbered. You are out of the garden and you will die. Sin entered and the consequences follow. And this is the point where Adam has a choice. What's he going to do? I mean, wouldn't we all agree that option one, he, he, he just crumbles. If, if you're Adam, you, you could just crumble in the sense of, I am a failure. And I've hurt my wife. And we have lost our home. And God is mad at me. And our lives are never going to be the same. I mean, is that too difficult to see that possibility of Adam just going, my failure, I'm done. But I want you to know that Adam is actually about to do something beautiful. Because God does something beautiful. 
You see, we're told in the story that God says to the serpent, he says as he's passing down some, some curses here, he says, you understand that for the rest of your days, there's going to be enmity between you and the woman. But one day, one day her offspring is going to crush you. And we, having lived so much far past that, are now able to look back and go, who was he talking about? Who was going to show up on the scene? Who, who was going to be the one who eventually was the offspring who, who was going to crush the head of the, the enemy? And we know it's talking about Jesus. It was, it was talking about the one that all of this is about. And I want you to see what happens next. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. You ready? Adam named his wife Eve. Because she would become the mother of all the living. Adam, she, he's called her woman up until now, right? Woman. Right? You're looking good, woman. But now, Adam goes back to doing what? Naming. Why does he go back to naming? Because that's his God-given what? Role. And he names her Eve this time because she would become the mother of all the living. Well, how does Adam know that? Do they have any children? Nope. Is she a mother yet? Nope. How does Adam know this? Because Adam heard what God said, even in what we would consider to be maybe a most negative connotation where God is saying to the serpent, you understand, one day, one day her offspring, one day her offspring is going to crush your head. And Adam hears he hears God speak. And what does Adam know about when God speaks? He means it. When God commands, he knows what he's talking about. When God says, don't do this, God knows what he's saying. When God says, I'm going to do this, God knows what he's talking about. Adam hears God say, offspring, here's the plan. And Adam goes back to his God-given role and he names his wife, Eve, because he says one day, God is going to do something so amazing. And Eve, he's going to start with us. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. In the middle of what we would consider to be the darkest of moments, Adam goes back to what he knows to be his role. His role is to protect and to care and, and, to, and to guide. His role is to hear the word that God speaks. His role is to act in the ways that, that God has instructed him. And he goes back to being who God called him to be. 
verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. I'm telling you, Adam's response, I believe, is, is in response to this demonstration of God's power and grace and restoration. What, what we see here in verse 21 of Genesis chapter 3, it, it's called the proto-euangelion, which simply means it is the, a forerunner to the gospel. It is a picture that we are given. Up until now, you ready for this? There has been no sign that blood has ever been shed. But in verse 21, in order for there to be animal skins, something had to die. In order for there to be animal skins, something had to die. And an innocent animal loses life in order to provide the animal skins to cover the shame of a sinful man and a sinful woman. It was a picture of what one day God would do permanently. When his own son Innocent, no sin in him. His life would be given, blood shed in order to cover the shame of a sinful people. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us in order that we would eventually, we could be clothed in the righteousness of our God. He covered us. Again, I, I get the fact that Eve really was deceived and Eve really did sin. But it is very difficult for me when I read this story not to see Adam right alongside, and his sin was to abandon the role that God gave him. He just goes silent. And in a way, he becomes this picture of the first failed savior, right? Which, which we all know, we, we look at it and we go, well, here's what I would have done. No, you wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't have. I mean, none of us have gotten this right either. Now, here, here's, what I, here's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. Is we know that learning from our failures makes us stronger. Okay? It does. If you don't know that, learning from failure makes us stronger. It is a challenge for parents, when you love your children, to let them experience that in a healthy way. It's always a challenge, right? Because you, you want to protect, you want to guard, you want to guide, but you know there are going to be some times they're going to experience some failure, right? And, and it is a challenge for parents to work with wisdom of when to allow them to experience such failure. It is. 
Because our challenge is we know there are, there are failures that are small. That's the ones we want our kids to have. But then there are failures that are big. There are failures that, that, that are so big that it feels like there's no recovery. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Failure's so big that it just feels like there's no way, there's no way to go back. There's, there's no way that this could ever be turned around. There's no way that this could ever be fixed. We don't want them to experience that level of failure. And here's what I'm asking us to realize. You realize that most of the time, that kind of failure we're talking about the context of relationships. When it happens in relationships just like it does with Adam. I'm talking about when husbands fail to live out our God-given role. I'm talking about when wives fail to live out their God-given role. I'm talking about when fathers fail to live out their God-given role, when mothers fail to live out their God-given role, uh, sometimes when children fail to live out their God-given role. We could apply when friends fail to live out their God-given role. We, we will experience failure in our lives, but when we fail in the roles that we have been given in relationships and all of a sudden we hurt our spouse and we hurt our kids and we hurt our friends, in our failure we have a choice. We could crumble. We could crumble. Because God called me to be this and I didn't. And now that I haven't, here's the price that my family is paying. Here's the price that my wife is paying. Here's the price that my, my kids are paying. Maybe, maybe it's that we've, we've lost our home and God is mad at me and things will never be the same again. Or, like Adam, you could do something beautiful because God has done something beautiful. Let me give you this verse, and then, then we're going to apply a little bit of this. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if, for if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, that's Adam, how much more will those who receive Christ's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, I love that. He's saying in the New Testament, here's this story through Adam. By the way, he didn't point the finger at Eve in this point. It is Adam. Sin came through one man. He's like, we've all been affected by that. Here, here's what this did between us and God. But how much more because of God's grace, because of the love, extraordinary love of our God, now it is possible through one, Jesus, that even in our failure, something beautiful. Can I tell you that God's grace makes it possible that if you have failed in whatever role 
God has given you. Because of his grace, you really can take up that role again and live. Here, here's, could it be that the question God is asking some of us today is, where are you? Where are you? Gentlemen, shall we go first? God has placed a unique mantle of responsibility on your shoulders. He has. And let me just go ahead and clear, um, be clear on this. It, it, it really has nothing to do with our ability. <laughs> it is simply God saying, this is the role that I am choosing to give you. Here is the role. I want you to care. I want you to protect. I, I, want, you, I, I want you to manage. I want you to steward. I, I want you to provide. Now, please don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. To fulfill your God-given role as a man doesn't mean that you got to make all the money in your household. Please. If you've got a wife that makes bank, you should be singing glory hallelujah to your God. Can we just clear that? It's like, how ridiculous can we be sometimes? Seriously. If she's okay with, with working that job and that works for your family, right, as long as there's no manipulation and, 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 and she's, not, she's being able to live out the role that God has given her, you, you should praise God for that. You simply making money is in no way the entire picture of what it means to fulfill the role that you have given that you have been given. There, there is a part of the role that you have been given to cheer on your family, to encourage your family forward, to walk in the ways that God has called them, each of them. They each have God-given roles to live. And you as a family, you face so much junk, so much stuff that, that just bombards you on a constant basis as, as a man to be able to be the one to go, no, I'm not gonna let us settle for less than what God wants to bless our family and so I'm going to fight for us and I'm going to constantly speak into the lives of my family to go this is what God says and this is how we need to walk that out maybe um, ladies this isn't just a guy thing this isn't just a guy thing I mean I we see from the scripture the, the God-given role that, that was placed right upon Eve and how together they, they were made one and how their hearts were joined and how they walked this out together. Ladies, I'm, I'm saying just like I'm saying to the men, is, is your life, is your life lived in a manner worthy of the gospel that has transformed you. Uh, things aren't where you want them to be. Okay. Okay. So the question is, 
Am I going to crumble and just complain about things aren't where I want them to be? Or am I going to take up my God-given role and go after what I know God says is possible? See, sometimes, sometimes God gives you a role and you are the one who fails and it makes you just want to go, there's no hope from here on out. I have failed. I've messed up my family. I've messed up my relationships. I've messed. And so sometimes you're the one that fails in the God-given role and you just feel like there's no use. My, my fear of failure again, my, I'm, I'm just, I can't do this. Other times God gives you a role. He tells you to do something and other people don't respond. Other people don't respond, right? Sometimes you're living out your God-given role and you're doing it the best you know how and you can't, get, you can't get the other parties to cooperate with what God's telling you to do and you're like, well, what's the use? Either way, you can end up abandoning your God-given role because suddenly you've started evaluating differently. This all started because of the greatness of your God who called you to a relationship and now he calls you to a role that he allows you to be a part with him in what he's doing. Your joy comes in the obedience to him and him teaching you to love like he loves. I understand it's really hard when people don't respond back. A spouse doesn't respond back. Kids don't respond back. It's really tough when they don't respond back the way you want them to because you're trying to live out your role. I'm saying, no, don't abandon your role. Don't abandon your role. Maybe your marriage is struggling and maybe you realize it's because you've let some things go. You fight a lot. You just don't fight for each other a lot. You've been silent for the solution. What do you do? Well, how about we take up our role again? It's like, but, but there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff that's happened. There's so, so many mistakes. Okay. Okay. So our choice is we're going to crumble and fold or by the extraordinary grace of our God, we're going to pick up the role again. And I'm going to go back to fighting for. I'm going to go back to protecting. I'm going to go back to encouraging. I'm going to go back to building up. I'm going to go back to believing God. I'm going to go back. You go back, you pick up the role again. Parents, maybe, maybe God's asking you this question in regards to your kids. Where are you? Now, I realize this is kind of hard hitting, but come on, this could change everything if we actually see what we need to see today, right? And, and so maybe there, there are some parents in the room that there's been a time where you have decided to stay silent in the lives of your kids in regards to what they do with spiritual things. Careful. Careful. Well, I just think they need to probably decide on their own, and I'm just not going to push them in any of those. And we just go silent. Stop. Do you know what God says? Do you know what God says? Do you know what he says about life? Do you, do you know what he says about obedience to him? Do you know what he says about the consequences? Don't just leave those things to your children. And we, and we end up going, well, I'm just, I'm not going to make them. I'm not going to make them get involved. And I'm, I'm not going to make them go to Bible study. And I'm not going to make them go to kids camp. And I'm not going to make them go to youth group. 
I want to encourage you to rethink that. And that maybe it's a lot more okay for you to make them when they're this tall. Because you know what God says. There's going to come a day where you're right. They got to choose for themselves. They got to choose for themselves. This is not something that you, you can't force a relationship with God. But you can put them in an atmosphere where they can see the greatness of God. I'm just saying to push them that direction and fail, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure that's failure. They've got to choose. But to be silent, that's probably failure. That's probably failure. I'm going to throw on top of this stuff today that, that we, are, we are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation. The fact that we have been reunited to our God means that God has given us a role to see, to see this move forward, a role to play of, of declaring his, his greatness across the globe. The world doesn't know. He says, go, make disciples. And, and maybe the question he's asking is where are you? I think it is probably the case that, I, I mean, I want to meet you if, if this is the case, but I doubt there's any of us in the room who at some point or another, and I'm telling you, it ain't me. There, there's some, there are all, I'm including, I'm, I'm not the exception. I'm saying that maybe there's an exception. I'd really love to meet you because I'd love to hear your story and I think I can find a hole in it. But anyway, most of us have failed at some point. We have. We have failed at some point in regards to relationship, in regards to the roles that we have been called to play. And there is an enemy who says, you went too far. You went too far. Too far gone. It's done. Can't be fixed. You hurt your, you hurt your family. God's mad at you. You hurt your friendship. God's mad at you. And God's going, hey, my son. I gave my son. I gave my son, though innocent, he became your failure, your sinfulness, that he might cover your shame. Get up, my child, and fulfill the God-given role that I've placed on your life. Don't give up because I haven't given up on you. God, my prayer today is that we would believe you. To see from a story that some of us have um, learned a long time ago, maybe for some of us is brand new, regardless, God, there is... There is a huge picture here of what every one of us have experienced when we have failed in one way or another. Husband, wife, fathers, mothers, children even in this room. God, there may be some kids in this room who have not been obedient to you. They have not lived out their God-given role 
They have pushed back continually, and now they are reaping the consequences of that. And it feels like their family is disjointed. It it feels like there's chaos, and maybe there is. That's what sin does. But God, I'm asking you to even help help us. God, even as kids in this room, to return to our God-given role of trusting you and trusting our parents, whom you've given a God-given role to care for us. God, I just think, I'm pretty sure there's some, some really cool stuff you want to do across this room and in the lives of people who are going to hear this message down the line. God, there is some healing that you want to happen, and your grace is big enough that you really can, you really can cover our guilt and our shame. But you call us to pick up the role again. So God... May you help husbands to take back up the role today. Wives to take back up their role today. Fathers, mothers, children, friendships, may we take back up the role today that you have given us and help us to love like we have been loved by you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.